0: Let's pray. As we come to prayer, I want you to bring to mind a question that you have for God that he has not yet answered. Preferably a why question. Maybe a question of why did this have to happen to me Or just someone that I know. And then ask God to meet you in that question, not necessarily with an answer, but with his presence. Father, as we come to you. With our questions and with our confusions this morning, we ask that you would meet us in this place. Encourage our hearts to want you above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please uh, open up to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, it's page uh, 920, I believe, in your pew Bible. And you can also turn to the last page in your bulletin if you want to follow along with some notes. Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. And so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, thought he was seeing a vision. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, rescued by an angel sent from God. James, a disciple of Jesus, not rescued by God, but killed by Herod the king. Same chapter, same time frame, same God, two very different results. Why? Why? What do you do when your paradigm of who God is and how this world should operate is completely shattered? Last week, up here, Bill talked about regret and shame from sin in our lives. Today, we're going to talk about when, at least on the surface, we've done everything that we know to do, and yet tragedy and hardship is still present. That then causes us to ask the question, why? Think the typical Job story in the Old Testament. Maybe you've experienced tragedy or loss all the while other people around you seem to be living on top of the world. Or maybe a couple minutes ago, one of these questions came to your mind. Why did my father abuse me as a child and not my siblings? Why am I still single when all of my friends are now married? Why can't we have children when everyone else around us seems to have no problem getting and staying pregnant? Why did I have to be the parent who buried a child? Why did my spouse pass unexpectedly when so many others don't? Why did I lose my job? I'm more qualified and had more experience than most people there. Now I realize that these are extremely self-centered questions and I know that it's usually not best to compare. But if we're honest, these are real questions that we ask. We can't sometimes comprehend what we're experiencing. And if you're someone who is really struggling with a question like this, I think the wrong thing to do is to suppress or just ignore these questions and act like they don't exist somewhere in your mind. Okay, Not to obsess over them and make your whole life about them, but to process them. I believe that God wants to use your questions as an invitation to do something in your life that is only possible when you get to the end of yourself. A few years ago, I remember meeting with a student at Eli's um, who was kind of in this space, and he was struggling. He had a few difficult experiences that led him to having uh, many questions about life and faith. He had been asking these questions to different people over the previous couple of years, but after a while he continued to get the same response and it was something along the lines of this don't doubt just have faith don't doubt just believe this response was most likely with good intentions and a pure heart but the way this person received it was was this i have doubts therefore i don't have faith therefore i can't be a christian anymore Adre Soboda, uh, who wrote a book on doubt and faith, said this in a sermon. It'll be on the screen as well. Quote, Just because you have doubts, it doesn't mean that you don't have faith. Oftentimes, your doubt is evidence that your faith exists. This is the sign deep inside of you that you want truth. Later, he said this. Quote, We've never been told that doubt is legitimate space in which we can encounter God. When you look at your life and it's not what you hoped it would be, my encouragement is don't run away from that disappointment. Don't run away from the doubt that it's causing you. And most importantly, don't isolate yourself. Instead, take those thoughts and experiences and invite someone else into your story. I say this because in my very short time in ministry, the number one indicator of whether or not someone will completely walk away from the faith after suffering and question is this. Whether or not they are surrounded by a Christian community. People who isolate themselves rarely come out to the other side with a stronger faith. We need people in our lives to navigate these questions. So, with all that said, simply put my main point is this this morning, and it's kind of wordy, I don't expect you to remember it, but it's this: the act of struggling with understanding why when done in community strengthens our faith. Let me say it again. The act of, of struggling to understand why things happen, why certain things happen to us or in our life, when you go on that journey with other people, it can actually strengthen your faith. And so how does God respond to our questions about why certain things happen? If you've ever been in this space and if you've ever asked the question why, you've probably not received an answer in a timely fashion. And I think this is on purpose. Oftentimes God doesn't allow us to get the answers to our questions because growth happens in the waiting. He's more interested in the journey that comes from your questions than he is with the destination of receiving the answer. Think about Thomas' story in, in John chapter 20. Thomas had to wait, right? You guys know the story. Jesus appears to his disciples for the first time after the resurrection, and who isn't there? Thomas, okay? And then in verse 26 of John chapter 20, we read this. Eight days later... His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus waits eight days before. Hearing to Thomas, and if you're like me, eight days may not seem like a long time, but I'm just going to ask you to put yourself in Thomas's been with Jesus almost every day for three years, and in the span of just a couple of days, things go from bad to worse, and Jesus is killed. He's buried, and then you hear that he's alive, and you also hear that all of your best friends have seen him, but you haven't. And to make matters worse, you're the one who struggles with doubt. But eight days later, you finally do. In my opinion, that's a long time to wait, especially when you're wondering if you're going to be killed next by the Jews and the Romans. We can only imagine and only speculate what was happening in Thomas' mind during this time, but I think he had to be thinking, why did everyone else get to see him except me? He had to be confused. He had to be wrestling with God. And I would like also to think that when the time was right, when the soil of Thomas's heart had been tilled, Jesus appeared. Farmers, you know this, but it's been said that you're not supposed to water most fruit-bearing plants or trees early on. When the plant is establishing its root system, you want the roots to go down as deep as possible to find water. And if you water them artificially, the roots won't go have to go down very far, thus hurting the yield in the crop later on. This is us. We want answers to our questions. We want life to be easy, to be comfortable, to be convenient. We want control when we're stressed. We want our difficult circumstances to be resolved quickly, but maybe God doesn't give us understanding right away. He doesn't turn on that irrigation system right away because he is more interested in developing our deep root system. Simply put, God is more interested in the deep roots over the easy answers. And at first, if you've been there, at first this might but in the long term it's a very good thing that then produces much fruit and if you think about some of the greatest lessons that you've learned in your life moments that have had the biggest impact on you still today I would guess that many of them are most likely times of of struggle and times of hardship and not only times of struggle and hardship but times where you've had to sit and wait in the midst of that struggle and hardship. This is how we grow. This is how God er, designed this universe. This is how we mature. In Lamentations 3.25, we read this, quote, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. While you wait... If you're in this space right now, I just want to say this to you. While you wait, know that God sees you in the midst of your pain and your questions. And know that you're not lost in a sea of people who are asking the same question or struggling with the same thing. God is personal and he sees you individually. And so, what's what's the invitation this morning? Where do we go from here? Two things, but we start with this, okay? When life doesn't make sense, my encouragement is to continue to seek God, the one who knows exactly what is going on, the one who is not shaken by your doubt or questions, the one who can handle it. And the best way to do this, I believe, is with people, with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because remember, as I've already said, the act of struggling with understanding why, when done in community, strengthens our faith. All right, so with that in mind, I want to speak to two people. First, if you're here this morning, you've really gotten nothing out of this because you honestly don't have any questions, um, that's awesome, and praise God. But you're probably in the minority, all right? But with that said, is my guess is that you have either right now or you have had or you will have the privilege of being a soundboard for someone who does have questions. And so if this is the case, when someone confides in you with a deep struggle or a question, listen. Listen really well. Be slow to speak. And also, if you feel like you have some wisdom to offer, Instead of just speaking right away, maybe ask the other person if they are wanting your advice or if they are just wanting you to sit and be present and to listen. Pope Francis a couple years ago said this In this world, we need the ministry of the ear more than the ministry of the mouth. Let's not be like Job's friends who get themselves into trouble once they open up their mouths. Instead, let's be people who listen and ask humble and clarifying, but not condemning questions. Who allows the other person to speak on their own terms. And then if the Lord leads to share something, we then share with humility. Parents, if I can just speak to you real quick. After working with high school students for six years, and now many of them again as young adults, I'm convinced that your children need this from you. I know that you know better than them. And I would even argue that deep down inside, so do they. But they're not always coming to you for advice. They're coming to you because they love you. They trust you. And they want to be in your presence. And they just want you to listen sometimes. And it doesn't mean that you never share. Okay, I'm not saying that. But initially, we need to be content to just listen. So person number one, listen. Listen with compassion. Listen well. Come in as a student with humility, wanting to learn their story. And then don't let it stop there, but walk that journey with them. All right, that's number one. Number two, for the person who is in here this morning who has questions, who wants to know why, right? Why did James die, but Peter did not? And why did Peter get rescued? Was it just because the church prayed earnestly, why did one loved one die from cancer and another one of my loved ones get completely and fully healed? Unfortunately, I I don't have a clean and neat answer for you. I don't know. I don't have a sufficient answer as to why some things happen and others don't. But I was texting back and forth with a friend last week, and I asked him, and I, with his permission, I just want to read you his reply. He said this, quote, The short answer is that I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. God seems to have created the world to be a place where choices dictate outcomes, and he doesn't often get in the way to stop them. The evil that happens today can be a result of bad choices, bad people, a fallen world, or evil spiritual powers that exist in the world. And yet, we believe that God can do miracles and could theoretically change outcomes, and sometimes he does. This is one problem with this topic and why it is so confusing and mysterious. Why doesn't he intervene? Is it possible for him? Probably, yes. But thousands of times a day, all around the world, he doesn't. He lets the bad continue, day after day, week after week, year after year. I do not think we can understand this. But he is not absent from doing good through his people in the world. He is not absent in our sorrow. Just as God became human and lived his own suffering, so too is God present with us, lamenting alongside of us. He's upset by your story of loss too. The short answer to this difficult question is we don't know why bad things happen the way we do, but we must focus on the hope that we have that through Jesus, all things will be reconciled and made right in the end. God promises to recreate this world and our bodies just as he did with Jesus in his resurrection. The suffering we have now is terrible and sometimes unexplainable. But the joy of new creation through Jesus keeps us going. End quote. Amen. And so while I don't know why God allows some things to happen, I am pretty convinced that God wants to do something in you and through you in the midst of your questions and confusion. I believe that he's inviting you on a journey to surrender your desire for control and certainty. I want to say that again. I believe he's inviting you on a journey for you to surrender your desire for control and your desire for certainty, to realize that freedom is not having the illusion of control, but freedom is found in surrender, and to realize that comfort isn't found in certainty in knowing the answers, but instead comfort is found in being with the one who does know the answers. The problem is, is this journey isn't always a pleasant one to go on. But the destination is totally worth it. So choose humility over pride. Choose to understand that we are the creature and that God the Father is the creator. The act of struggling with understanding why, when done in community, strengthens our faith. We're going to end with a song, Um, and after the song, there are going to be people available for prayer, um, and also just to listen, if you just want to vent and you just want to speak to someone. And so if you want prayer, or you just want um, someone to listen to you, you may stay in your seat after the song is over. Um, I will also be available and would love to pray and listen as well. My encouragement for you is to take advantage of this opportunity. Um, but also realize if staying after isn't possible because you have to go get your children or um, it may be uncomfortable to talk or pray with someone that you don't know, um, please find someone that you do know and confide in them today or this week. Um, i not going to pretend that we have the answers, but we're here to go on this journey with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy And while, God, we have lots of questions and thoughts about why certain things happened, and we have answers to some, but others we don't, I just pray that you would speak to us and that you would give us more and more of yourself, even more so than give us an answer. That we would choose you, that we would choose to come in as a student with humility, understanding who you are as the creator of the universe. And so, Father, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.
1: Lord, you search me, how you know me. You perceive my every thought from afar. In all my wandering, still you love me. King of glory, you pursue my anxious heart. Cause even when I'm not, Your faithful. Even when I doubt, your truth holds. Even when I'm lost, you won't let me go. dry, your grace flows. No matter where I run, I'm not far from home. I may be weak, but you're able. Even when I'm not, you're faithful. Even when I'm not, you're faithful. Even when I'm not, your faithful Even when I doubt your truthfulness, Even when I'm lost, you won't let me go When my heart is dry, you're graceful No matter where I run, I'm not far from home I may be weak, but you're able Even when I'm mine You're faithful, even when I doubt your truth holds Even when I'm lost, you won't let me go. When my heart is dry, your grace flows. No matter where I run, I'm not far from home. You made me weak, but you're able. Even when I'm not, you're faithful.